This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Earlier today, the federal government announced it was banning Chinese-owned social media app TikTok from all government mobile devices beginning tomorrow. Now, the government says the app presents an unacceptable level of risk to privacy and security, and the company's data collection methods uh, create vulnerabilities to cyber attacks. Here's Prime Minister Justin Trudeau from a few hours ago. We're making the decision that uh, for government employees, for government equipment, it is better uh, to not have them access TikTok uh, because of the concerns uh, that people have in terms of safety. I suspect that uh, as government takes the significant step of uh, telling all federal employees that they can no longer use TikTok on their uh, work phones, uh, many Canadians will reflect on the security of their own data and perhaps make choices in consequence. But I'm always a fan of giving Canadians the information for them to make uh, uh, the right decisions for them. So there you have it, an app used for producing short videos, uh, which I would argue is highly addictive for a lot of folks, is now essentially a national security threat. Joining us now is Jesse Miller, uh, social media expert and founder of Mediated Reality. Jesse, thank you for joining us today. Jazz, as always, thank you for having me. So first and foremost, was this the right decision in your mind? When it comes to national security and the use of government-provided phones for employees and elected officials, 100%, uh, uh, it's been a, a resonating uh, conversation for the past three years on the rise of TikTok. And, um, you know, to be fair, any government-issued phone, we should be looking more and more at how third-party oversight is embedded in these apps. And so whether it be Facebook, Instagram from the United States, or TikTok and Lark from China, there are always the concerns around how uh, issues and information inside our borders can be collected by those third third parties. And so uh, this is the right step. I think, unfortunately, we're going to see some people kind of um, open up a lot of conversations in the negative around it's just TikTok. But we also forget about the pervasive nature of of a lot of these apps and how much data is collected and where the human uh, component for uh, privacy breaches exists. Before we get to um, the the broader implications of TikTok for a moment, do you think that we should actually, as you were saying, that government phones perhaps should also be looking at all social media in regards to the pervasive nature of the information they are collecting behind the scenes? Like we should be banning all of them. Well, yeah, we should be. And certain ideas of the way that Canadians have valued the idea of our information staying within Canada. Now, just to give an example, if you look, you know, 10 years ago, we would see government officials using BlackBerry products. BlackBerry products were designed and built in Canada. We had the the information management hosted in Canada. And if we even go back, you know, 10, 15 years, BlackBerry was the preferred communication tool for business because of the ability to maintain that privacy for the corporation or the government or whatever it be. So if you saw police officers using Blackberries to communicate, it was because that national security information would stay secure in Canada. Once we migrated away from tools like that into iPhones and Samsung devices, we got to that app-based economy where the third party now is the company that collects the data. And you as the user, not so much concerned about being on one network, but in multiple networks 
international communication, we then started seeing these levels of government oversight becoming the concern of where this information would then travel because you cannot access the app itself. Mm -hmm. So within that, this tool of TikTok becoming the conversation, we kind of go from that Trump administration piece of him trying to hang on to this China is the bad bad entity and national security, we needed a bit of a runway to kind of get away from that rhetoric and really identify whether concerns for safety for everyday Canadian data management were of concern. And when it comes to government communications, government national policy, government oversight, protected documents, you shouldn't have any form of social media in that space where that information could potentially be accessed or seen by a third party and national security concerns being primary there. Having um, you know lived and worked as a reporter in China, I've always have to, even I have to remind myself once in a while that no matter what private entity uh, there is in China, whatever sector you're in, ultimately all companies are beholden to the Communist Party of China. That if they ask, they want information, you have to provide that information. Now, in the case of TikTok, uh, what exactly are they collecting that would be of, of, of you know national security concern? Is it just your location, uh, your IP address, um, payment information? What are the what's the serious nature of what we're talking about here in regards to what potentially uh, could be extracted by TikTok? You see, the hard part there is that it's applicable in all spaces. Like the Patriot Act in the United States allows the United States government to access any company's data and, and investigate something that's identifying an individual. So as a Canadian traveling to the United States, I'm still subject to information about me that I've provided to a social media company being used to determine my admittance into the United States, my mental health, all those little things. So with China, it's the same thing with the government oversight, obviously a lot more ease for the government to collect from any company you know, without the warrant to kind of conversation. But it's the idea that on the device itself, there may be information that's available. And so it's how the app is embedded into the device that becomes of concern. And so are there documents on the, on, on the, the, the phone itself that are protected, that are they're nationally secured documents that shouldn't be available for outside eyes? But TikTok's very interesting in the way that, to your point, you know, the government can get access. We look at things like journalists. I mean, I, and in China, there have been concerns about how journalists have reported and whether or not there's been whistleblowers from ByteDance itself. So ByteDance actually conducted an investigation into whether or not information was leaking out of their company by looking at others' TikTok accounts and seeing if the proximity of that account had ever been in connection with anybody of their employee. And so this idea of kind of big brother watching, I mean, the reality of it is most of our technology does that. The question is who has oversight? And so if you're thinking about like a high-profile crime in Canada where we're trying to ping our networks to see whether or not a cell phone has been active in a crime scene, that's all plausible uh, technology that people kind of forget about when it comes to thinking about what our tech does. Mm -hmm. But the idea that a company or people internal to the company can now see what's on your phone without that oversight, without that third party kind of, hey, we're looking for a warrant, we're looking for information, can you give this to us within our laws and structure, that right there becomes the idea of who can then push a button, see what's on somebody's phone, and see how they can leverage that information to the, the negative of our national security. Final question to you. Uh, should Canadians do the same when it comes to government phones on their own personal phones and say, wait a minute here, you can ask access vital national security information potentially, but what about my life, my IP address, my payment methods? Um, should we also, as, as private citizens, also think about perhaps removing some of these sites uh, from our personal phones? I've always said that if you're concerned about one geographic national political concern, you should be concerned about another. And so to the point earlier I made with the United States, most of us as Canadians, we travel 
to the United States, we're not thinking about the idea of being cons- considered not admissible. And so if I were to say, you know, Tiananmen Square happened, and, you know, you know Tank Man, all that stuff from the 1980s, when this idea that Tiananmen Square didn't happen, if I go outside of China and I start telling the world on social media, this happened, this happened, and I try and enter China and I'm highlighted as a provocator of, of the communist uh, government, that may make me inadmissible or detainable or whatever it be. But we saw Canadians during, let's say, Trump's election in 2016 turned away from the border because of what they said on social media. And they were totally aghast, going, oh, my goodness, how dare you look at what I wrote on Facebook? You are entering a country where you're not a citizen. Your rights don't necessarily apply the same way. So each user, and to echo the prime minister, has to make a choice based on how they feel a third party is looking at their information. And if you sit there and go, hey, it doesn't matter if they look, know what kind of videos I watch or I've posted pictures of my family or they know my IP address, so what? It does come down to what information can be leveraged and how can it negatively impact you. Jesse, thank you for your time today. Really appreciate it. Thanks, Jazz, as always.